0: here today. So would you give a big Calvary welcome this morning to Ernie and Carol Salinas?
1: Amen. Thank you. Sit down. Please sit down. I'm uh, glad to be here this morning. I'm the Ernie portion of Ernie and Carol Salinas, if you may not know that. Uh, My wife, Carol, is going to stand right now. She's my wife, Carol. Uh, and together, we have been in the ministry for 46 years. We started out as pastors. We served as pastors for 25 years in the Pacific Northwest. And over the past 20 years, God has literally taken us around the world. And we've had the privilege of preaching in churches and working with missionaries in the area of, of revival and evangelism in uh, many, many countries around the world. I was just thinking this morning, I saw your your little flyer for your missions convention, and I... I saw a little speed the light vehicle on there, and it reminds me. Uh, we were in Botswana, which is a, an African country, and it was about 12 o'clock at night. We were coming back out of the bush where we had been holding services, and the pastor's driving. I mean, the evangelist is driving a speed the light vehicle, and we're about 75 miles in the middle of nowhere, and he just stops the vehicle and he turns to me and says, "You know, I still I sure could use a Big Mac right now." The nearest Big Mac was about 600 miles away. but uh, So it does a missionary service, as you will know, and as you probably already know, is a very, very uh, difficult job at its best. And we get to do that once or twice a year, as the Lord provides. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna show you a little bit of what our ministry looks like. In, uh, in, the, in about three weeks, we head for the country of Latvia. The country of Latvia borders the nation of Russia, and it is a Baltic nation. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about it quickly, it is a country that has been under the, uh, under the uh, thumb of several other nations. They've only had their independence for about 30 years, and, uh, but they are great people, and we are going to show you a little bit about the work, the Bible school that we work when we are in that area. So, Booth, if you're ready, let's take them to Latvia. <laughs> guy came up to after one of the services and he said, nice pictures, don't mean a thing. And I, I understand that because unless you're there working with the people and interacting with them and seeing the enthusiasm they have for the gospel and to touch their native land, which is a very difficult thing to do and with given all of the convoluted politics and the captivity that they've been in. But those young people have, and, and as they, as true in every nation around the world, they have a passion for their country and they have a passion to preach the gospel. And Carol and I are very, very privileged to be able to be a part of that. And we, as we train them in evangelism and in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and teach them how to uh, personally minister to people, it's a wonderful privilege for us, but one that I think that sometimes doesn't communicate well to people, maybe sitting in a church in America, but I hope that somehow the Holy Spirit will impress upon you, not just our mission, but how close we are. I I put in that little last screen that we are, this is a last day mission, and I don't mean we, me and Carol, I mean we, the church. This is the last day mission. This is the, the mission of the church in a day when doors are closing. And so we appreciate your pastors for allowing us to come and share just a little bit first of all that just five minutes of our ministry of that but also just raise some awareness of the closeness of the coming of the lord and the closeness of the, the the people who desperately need jesus christ in their personal lives so keep us in your prayer life and as the lord whatever the lord lays upon your heart we appreciate that for and we thank you let me pray for you right now let me pray for your church father we thank you this is our second visit to Calvary, and as we come here this morning, Lord God, Carol and I are very, very very impressed to see what you're doing here in this church and how it's influencing and touching the community. And Father, I pray, Lord God, over the next few minutes as we just look into the word of God for the strengthening of our own spiritual lives, but also for the challenges that lie ahead, I pray, Lord God, that you would remind us that we are and will always be the mission, and we are part of heaven's mission to find men and women who have been lost to the kingdom but now can be found. And I thank you for this church. We've, we hear their good works all over Nebraska. People tell us about the, the, the testimony of this church, and we're so grateful to be able to be here this morning. Thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Well, I thank your pastor for letting me come this morning. He's a great guy. I really have appreciated getting to know him. And his wife, we had a great time of fellowship last night. They truly are a great a, a great pastoral team, and you guys are blessed to have them. And what's this other word, pastor? Because I can't read that right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's a great guy. They really are a great team, and we appreciate it very much. Uh, I'll, I'll get started here in just a moment, but I, I thought maybe it might help to kind of set the pace here if I shared a little bit of a story I heard about a young pastor, a young man who was. Uh, trying out to become a pastor, and uh, so he went to the older pastor who was retiring, and and he just simply said, you know, he's a young pastor, and he wanted to impress everybody in the congregation on his understanding of the Bible and how much he appreciated uh, the work of the Lord, and and he was wanted to get it all into one service, and so he s- went to the older pastor and he said, Pastor, he says, I really feel like the Lord might be speaking through me today through an extended session, and so uh, how long do I have to preach? And the old pastor kind of rubbed his chin for a moment and says, well, brother, I, I tell you, he says, you go right ahead. You preach as long as you want. Just preach your heart out. But the folks and I are going to leave about noon So, <laughs> So try to contain that within that, those parameters. If you have your Bible this morning, you can look with me at Philippians chapter 2. I want to talk to you for just a few moments. I'm going to ask you a question. And it sounds like a question you heard in youth group, but is he? The Lord is Jesus, the Lord of your life. Philippians chapter 2, you can see it on the screen, and it says, One day that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What I want to do for the next few moments is something God laid upon my heart, and I, I earlier in the week. I was praying and saying, Lord, what do you want to say to the church there in Lexington? And the Lord began to drop this into my heart. And I and I, I, I got to be honest with you. My first thought was, Lord, this is not a youth group, okay? These are mature believers. And I'm sure that many of you came up through the church, much as Carol and I did. She was a church baby. I was raised by in a family that was constantly in church. So, but something about this word that I'm going to share with you this morning, I think is because it, it, it really touches on where we as a church are today. As we travel across America, Kevin and I and we do that uh, 12 months out of the year, we travel across, we get, to, we get to work with a lot of different churches, a lot of different status, some very large churches, some little mission churches along the way, but each time that we do, it just amazes me that In today's culture, now listen carefully to what I'm going to say because I want to place this so that we can know as as a launching point. Many of the churches that we work in today are literally attended by people who have a very, 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 um, a very small knowledge of what it means to have have Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. I was reading some time ago in an article that said uh, the church today, if you were, and you'll hear this from other people, but said so the church today, in most parts of America today, is basically tuned in for the entertainment factor of it. And it says if you were to take the temperature of the church, you'd find out that while the river is 10 feet or 10 miles wide, it's about two inches deep. And there's a real there's a real sense of how do we connect the church that simply wants to be, a a culture rather, that wants to be entertained to the commitment of the lordship of Jesus Christ in their personal life. Because that moves from just being entertained by what the word tells us to becoming obedient to the word and to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus Christ as for personal lord. So hopefully as we go along in here, I looked up the meaning of the word lord and it simply says uh, Webster tells us that it is someone who has power, authority and influence who ma- who is a master or a ruler over another. So we begin there. But the story that I'm going to tell you and we're going to go through this really quick. Can you say amen? The the story I want you to begin with me is in Genesis chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go with me with Genesis chapter 3. And this is the story of how the enemy came in the form of a certain, Satan comes to our mother Eve while she is out strolling in the market one day looking for food to eat. And she comes by that tree, and I'm just going to give you the Ernie version just to kind of get you there. She comes by that tree, and she obviously must have been standing there just looking at it, wandering at it. There are no fences around it. There are no barriers around it. There, there, there are no, um, if you will, there's no electric fence. But God has given direction that they are not to touch this tree. Now, that sounds simple enough. And Eve is not a dummy, okay? Adam and Eve at this particular point in humanity were at the highest level of intellect that human beings will ever be on this earth. They walked with God. They had been given the very mind of God. There was so much about them that was in unity with God. They walked with him. They talked with him. They had uh, just a collegial, you know, wonderful relationship with God. It was just there, always there, walking, talking. But now, out alone on our own, kind of away from the influence of God and Adam, probably just standing there looking, and then out of nowhere, the enemy begins to speak to her, and it's what he says to her that kind of sets in motion when I want to talk to you. So if you have your Bibles, now the servant, verse one, was more cunning than any beast of the field, which is the Lord God, and if you got your pen, would you underline those words, Lord God? Just underline those words, and I'll tell you why that's so significant and important to this story the beast which the Lord God had made. And he, the, be- the, the serpent, said to the woman, and here's where it begins. He says, has God indeed said? Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Satan, I'm not going to give you the whole rundown. I'm just going to tell you that he has fallen from heaven. He's a creature who in his heart created rebellion and fell from heaven. And in his fall from heaven, he, in his heart, a hatred for God, a hatred for the things of God, not only develops, but begins to take form in ways that will play itself out. So he strikes out against God, but he begins by testing the woman in her faith. And here's what I mean. The first thing he says to her is, and listen to the word here, has God And those two words, has God. And it sounds insignificant and don't mean much really to us here on this side of it, here on this side of Calvary. But the implication here is that he is the Lord God. And throughout the Old Testament, those two words are always linked together because it means that he has authority and he is sovereign over all. But in this particular, and it's the first time it's said, and it's the first time that tongues utter this, his name like this, and this tongue coming from a rebellious heart says, "Has God, not the Lord God, and one Bible scholar put it this way, he said, it's Satan's way of saying, he is not in charge of my life anymore. He has no authority. He may well be God sitting on his throne, ruling the universe, but he personally is not Lord over my life and it's interesting that Satan reveals his heart through the words that he said because words matter turn to your neighbor and say that's true words matter really try it words matter and the words that he's saying here she identifies what he's saying and we could go on and we could pull many other things out of this story but it's that I want to just start on right there he just simply says has God said There's no Lord God, because we'll find out in the next few moments, and it'll be brief, but we'll find out that there's a connection between who God is in his authority and who he is to us personally. I'm walking down the street, I'm walking through the high school with my oldest son, I'm sitting in a Burger King somewhere, and I hear somebody going off and they're using God's name in vain, and and God is not hitting them with lightning. And I just, I just cringe every time I kind of hear that. Don't you? How many cringe? And it just irritates your spirit. There's something about using God's name in vain, especially when it's linked to profanity, that just really just drives us as believers and people who want to live in union with God. But this is where Satan begins. And you might say, well, you're trying to extrapolate out of that more than. No, I think it's, it, it's powerful. He's no longer the Lord of my life. I rebelled against him. I've thrown off his authority. I've come down. I'm out of here. He's no longer. He may be God. And when you hear people cursing God, it's because they know that he may be God. But he's not Lord. And that tiny little four-letter word, that tiny little four-letter word in all of its deep conviction will reveal how you feel about God. If you got your Bible, let's go one more, let's look at one more verse, let's go to Luke chapter 4 Luke chapter 4, Jesus verse 1, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted by the, for 40 days by the devil, in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they were entered, he was hungry, and the devil said to him, one more time one more time the devil says to him if you are the son of of God now again here it just might sound like words but if you read through the entire story of the temptation it always comes back to and Jesus will always respond with the Lord thy God let's say that together the Lord thy God and the idea there is that God is the Lord he's sovereign in your life he's sovereign in my life Jesus is saying he's not just God He's God-sovereign ruling in my life. And what that means, essentially, as we begin to dig our way into this, is that there is a point when every believer must make the decision whether they're going to acknowledge God as just being God by his authority, oh, he's God over the universe, or is he Lord in your life? In the writings of Paul, we're not going to take time to, 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 you know, to break them out, but in the writings of Paul, he's always careful to link together the idea of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's a sovereign act of saying he is in charge. It's not just a use of a word, just not a magic word, and we'll see this in just a second, but it is a reminder that there is someone who's in charge of my life. That I do not have control of the switches and the pedals that control my life but as someone pointed out not long ago in an article that i was reading if you were to apply that to the modern church it might not stick because the modern believer today in most situations is simply saying well i go to church i acknowledge god he's there when i need him he's a good god he's wonderful but as far as telling me what to do, what I can and cannot do, how to live my life, how my ambitions and my path of my life should be laid, well, I'm not, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Because he's not Lord of my life. But Lord as is applies to his power to deliver, Lord as, as it is his power to give us life, is very important so the enemy starts out by making his stance clear and I like that particular verse and I like the way they included all the terminology there because it gives us a definite portrait of what your enemy thinks of God he is God but he ain't my Lord he does not tell me what to do he does not control my future he and and, but literally God really does amen But the enemy is saying, he's not my Lord. I'll not acknowledge him as Lord. And all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament and here on the Mount of Temptation where it's spiritual combat between Jesus and the enemy is taking place, it's over the the words that God has spoken. Has not God said? And Jesus responds, the Lord thy God. I'm going to correct you on that one, Satan. He is the Lord God not just simply God. It's an interesting play on words, I know, but I want you to go with me to something that this confession, because using the term Lord and applying it from our heart to someone who's in charge of it, remember I told you what Webster said, it's someone who's in charge, it's someone who has authority over. And this is exactly what the believer's life is is about, is allowing God, the Lord God, to really be Lord in our life, to allow Jesus Christ not only to be our Savior, but to have authority over our life, to control the direction of our life. In John chapter 8, then Jesus, verse 10, If you're there it is right there. Then the woman, he raised himself and he saw no one around the woman. He said to her, woman, where are your accusers? And has no one condemned you? Now, when I think in terms of this, I think of this as the most remarkable story in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, because standing before him, and in fact, they wanted to leave this out of the Bible because it was so graphic, but but the other scholars of the 1611 King James said, no, it's got to be included because it really does fit the personality of Jesus. They bring this woman who's been caught in adultery before Jesus, and they want him to contemn her to death. They want her condemned to death. The Pharisees choose her. She's just a, she's caught in their trap. It could have been any woman. It could have been any woman who was making a mistake, and she's made a mistake, and now she's caught. And I uh, forgive me, I don't mean to be so graphic here, but they would have drug her out of the situation in which she was caught in the very act, because that's what it says here, in the very act, and they would have drug her out, possibly naked, shivering and afraid, full of guilt, because now she knows she's been caught, and paraded her up in front of Jesus. And as one, as most Bibles always point out, there's no place in there for her to hide. She's just right there. She's looking Jesus in the face. In all her shame, in all of her, I've been caught, guilt. And Jesus just in a moment, in a, in a magnificent display of the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God, he just simply just, he, he just, uses this moment to show how long his, how his heart longs to forgive those who have made a mistake and he does so just quick story here Jesus bends down he's riding on there and he stands he looks up and he looks around the crowd of men who are there all men by the way all men of superior rank spiritual superiority and he says to them Uh, if you haven't sinned feel free to cast the first stone and I don't know because I wasn't there but I imagine the woman at this point hangs her head because she's looked around and she's seen all of these Pharisees and she knows they never sin That's that's their deal they don't sin they even wear clothes that say look at me I'm holy and perfect And Jesus stings them right here in the forehead in the thinking processes. And in fact, when the first Bibles were being written, Jerome, who wrote the first Bible, translated the first Bible, said, there's more of this in it than there is in the the King James. But here's what he said. He said, my translation, he said, St. Jerome said, what Jesus literally said was, those of you who have not committed this sin, the sin of adultery, Cast the first stone. Whichever way it came out, it was dangerous. She might have hung her head, and she might have said, I have no hope. But the interesting thing about it is when Jesus found any one of you, including myself, he found us in our sin, that is exactly where we were found caught in our sin we were sinning all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but here she's standing here and her crime is about to be dealt with righteously with the word of God behind it <laughs> except there's one small problem here the one who the ones who have been called upon to execute her are suddenly aware that what drove her to do her sin ready they also harbor those those thoughts in their own minds and in their own hearts so one by one they begin to slip away i always get this picture the first guy maybe he looks at his watch and say guys i'd love to stay help you stone her but i got a thing i gotta go until finally there's no one standing there and jesus looks up he was probably dealing with a text right you know but he looks up and there's nobody there but that woman And she's standing there covering herself as best as she can. And he says to her, woman, where are thy accusers? And her response to him is something that probably the day before she never would have said. She said, Lord. Now that doesn't mean much to some people, but to those who understand the nature of Jesus and the nature of what real sin feels like admit now you're in charge you are Lord over me and he said to her so here's my direction to you go and sin no more go and sin no more actually in the Greek here's what she's, he said to her sounds more like this go come here no more and she knew exactly what he was saying come here to this place no more so in that moment her confession that he had authority over her life was her salvation amen get it salvation is in no other name but the name of Jesus the disciples in Matthew chapter 8 just to move along in Matthew chapter 8 the disciples are sinking the water is pouring into the boat You know, it's pouring into the boat. They're about to drown, and they run to where Jesus is, and they say, Lord. Now, Lord, here is an interesting use of words, but just to make it quick, they say, Lord, help. We're drowning. Save us. In other words, he has the power. He has the authority. In him lies the hope to live, because he is, say it with me, Lord. I love this. I mean, these guys who work with Jesus, they're an interesting lot of guys, don't you think? I mean, can you imagine? They actually believed that with the Son of God sitting in their boat, they were going to drown. Now think about that for just a moment. Next day in Jerusalem, the headlines on the newspaper come out, and it says, It says, son of God and disciples drowned at sea? I don't think so. Why? Because he's Lord. He has authority over the storm. And he has authority over the storm of your life. He has authority over your, over your life and he has the storm, authority over the storms of your life. And they knew that. They figured it out. They came It came to them. Is he Lord of your life? Or is he just someone that you acknowledge in your life? And that may sound like just a play on words, but in in her it was a real thing, standing there, life in his name, life in that one word, Lord, and to them, salvation, because they trusted in his name. There's one more thought here I want to share with you before we go. And I want you to go with me. And this is an interesting verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. But before we come to that verse, while you're looking up, or putting it up on the screen, oh, there it is already. The idea that using his name, somehow saves us, is not what I'm trying to imply. Because using his name is not a magic formula. You know, within the, within the occult and within the other kind of shady, dark recesses, and when we go to Latvia, we run into a lot of darkness, a lot of the occult that we are constantly battling against. And it's certain names that you say that have authority, that follow after them. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Let me read you something I thought was very interesting. I'll share it with you. Confessing the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life is the most vital action you can take. It acknowledges that you submit to his authority and it and it corrects our attitude about following him and becoming his disciple. And it illustrates to others that we depend upon his miraculous intervention in our life. He is Lord of my life. He really is lord of my life. He directs, he controls. He pulls the strings, he has the keys, he pushes the pedals. He tells me when and where to go. He is lord. He is lord. But there's something interesting about this. It's not a, it's not a magic word. It's not a magic word. Just saying lord but it's the submission that follows it. You are, Lord, and I submit, and I declare that whatever my future is going to look like it is because it's designed by you. I cannot tell you the number of people we have come across at the altar or have come to the office and said, man, things are not working out. I had this plan, and I've been praying that God would give me this. I've been praying that God would do this in my life. I've been praying for this, and, I've been, and it ain't happening, and I'm about to give up on God. That's all there is to it. I've about had it. In fact, this week, If you've been watching the news, you find out that there was a very influential, influential worship leader who just stepped stepped out of Christianity because he could not accept, essentially, the lordship of Jesus, that God is in control of all things and in control of his own life. And that really winds it up. Because when you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, when you confess truly that he is Lord, you give him the keys. I don't have the keys on it. Who's got my keys? Anyway, did you hear that guy who said that it's interesting that every time he loses his key, this thought runs into his head: Somebody broke into my house and stole my keys. They passed by all the expensive stuff and they stole the set of keys to my beat up old pickup. But unless God has the keys to your life, then it doesn't make a bit of sense. It doesn't it doesn't fly at any level. you got to give them the keys. Oh, I, I, which, forgive me, this is just me venting, okay? I'm sorry, I mean to. I taught my teenage daughter how to drive. How many have ever done that? Raise your hand, hold it just for a moment so I can pray over you. <laughs> Healing on these. And then there comes that moment in time when she says she got a driver's license, and the first thing she said to me was, are you ready for this? You can say it with me if you know what I'm talking about. Dad, can I have the... And you stand there like, uh, uh, uh. I mean, just because they gave you a little piece of paper with your picture on it, that don't mean that you could drive my car. But you give her the keys and you give her authority over the vehicle. You give him the key. You give him your heart. You give him your future. You give him your ambitions. The mission fields are populated with men and women who gave them, gave God the key to their life. Your pastors are sitting here today because they gave God the keys to their life. Many of you sit here today following God wherever your life is taking you because the steps of a good man or woman is ordered by the Lord. He has the keys. Does he have the keys? Is he the Lord of your life? And so it all comes down to this. We funneled it down to this. Are you ready? And I want you to go with me to the verse that you've been looking at. At that, the name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue, and the Lord made this so very real to me. But I want to share it with you at this level. One day, every human being ever born of a woman will one day kneel before Jesus Christ and confess he is Lord. It will be the crowning moment of history I don't care who you are. I don't care how defiant you are. I don't care how much you could think you control your faith. One day you will bow before Him and you will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, that's what all of this battle of wills is about. Isn't it interesting that Paul writes that it culminates in this action? Men and women who refuse to acknowledge God, a Satan who refuses to acknowledge God as the authority in life, one day will grovel before God and say, Jesus is Lord. The real crisis in the church today, as I said at the beginning, is whether or not we are willing to allow him to be Lord in our life. Because it's an action that you take on your own behalf. That every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you don't do that now, you will do that one day. And the interesting thing about that day is that you will look across a sea of every person ever bombed, ever born, and you'll see them faces in the dirt and their hands raised, acknowledging Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, you couldn't do it one day. You're going to do it one day. Some time ago, there was a, there was a film that came out, and it had a lot of, it, it got a lot of good press. And it was a fi- it, it's, a, it's a poem that's been around for a long time, and I'm just going to read you the last part of the poem because many of you probably were, had to learn it in school and quote it in school, but here it simply is, and it was written back in the late 1800s by William Ernest Henley. It said, beyond this place of wrath and tears, Looms, but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scrolls. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Or so he would like to think. I mean, it sounds noble and it sounds very humanistic to say i control my faith if i never bow before god on this earth it will be because i choose not to do it but one day you will bow because you cannot and you will not overstep the authority of god for christ has been created to rule over not just the earth and the universe and the spiritual things but to rule over the heart of every single person. Because he wants to bring you to, and I know you may have heard this a lot, but he wants to bring you to the destiny that he has for you, which you cannot reach through your own mechanisms. He wants to bring you to a place where there is hope and joy, and this is why he said to Jeremiah the prophet, and most of you have been able to quote this one, And you'll say, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and to bless you, but you will never get there if he is not the Lord of your life. And you will scramble from rung to rung and you will look for a place to hold on to during the storms because he has no authority over the storms of your life and because he cannot help you in the situations because he is not Lord. I pastored for 25 years and I was so glad when I escaped. (laughs) I'm sorry, that didn't come out right. But but simply because I had an endless number of people coming in saying, our our marriage is falling apart, my life is falling apart, I don't know what to do, I'm having fun. And I would say to them, are you following the will of God for your life? Are you allowing Jesus Christ? And, And say, well, yeah, we try that. We try to do that the best we can. It's not trying to do the best you can. It's allowing him, it's submitting to him. It's husbands, love your wife, even if you don't like it couple sets in front of me and they're sailing and she's our women's leader and he's one of our deacons and they say to me pastor we find that we must divorce we don't love each other anymore and honestly and because they ain't here today here's what I felt like doing I just wanted to get up and slap them <laughs> I'm sorry I just, I just kind of don't you know what the word of God don't you know what you've been teaching the others in the church that Jesus Christ can bring you fulfillment and joy. So, well, yeah, but that's not at every level. Yeah, it is. Whatever level of life that you are living at, focusing on, have importance in. He's Lord of your life. So let me let me let me close with something that it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit uh, on the on the worldly side, but stick with me. When Ernest Henley wrote that that poem He was trying to emphasize the character of the age. We are capable, we are, this was during the Victorian age when we are capable of of doing and creating, we're industrial, we're thinkers, you know. But none of that stuck, none of it stuck. And I'm sure now, since he's been in eternity a few years, if you could resurrect him and put him right here and ask him, you still the master Of your ship? You still in control of your fate? You know what he'd say? He'd fall on his knees before this altar and he would beg you not to pay attention to anything he said because Jesus Christ is Lord. Several years ago, there was a song, and I don't know if he still means it today. It came out, Boy, it's time to be done. Turn to your neighbor and say, I wish this guy would hurry up. There was a guy by the name of Bob Dylan. How many remember Bob Dylan, the singer? Anybody? Am I the only guy? Okay, come on, raise your hand. And you know, their cameras are off. Okay. <laughs> he, he, wrote, he wrote a song, I hope. <clears throat> he wrote a song many years ago when he was in his Jesus phase. And it just simply said, you're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to serve somebody. And honestly, truthfully, that's what it all boils down to. You make a choice whether you will follow Satan or you will follow after Jesus Christ, and you will do exactly what the woman did when she was caught in the headlights. Lord, only you can save me. Lord, only you can save me. So you're going to serve somebody you got to make a choice and the choice that you make now someone told me one time said, "Ernie, you, you got to get a little more holy ghost in your preaching brother you got to get out there and stir the people up but you know it doesn't do any good to stir, stir people up on the top if in the heart there's this lingering uncertainty about who gets to drive home today and i ain't talking about your teenager or you I'm I'm talking about who you will take out of here. Somebody told me one time, he says, well, I leave your messages on the seat next to me with my Bible every Sunday, and I go home. Okay. But you can't leave this one behind. Because one day, every person will give an answer to this. Is he Lord over your life? And I'm going to say this, and then we're going to close. I really mean because if he really is the lord of your life he will take control of you you submit your life to him you surrender your life to him and he will bring you into calm waters green pastures places where you can lie down but if you're in charge of your own life and you're making the decisions for you even as a believer you're going to find yourself coming in places that are spooky, scary shadowy because that's where you will lead yourself. So my question to you, and I appreciate, Pastor, thank you for letting me come, but one of the things I must ask you, is he Lord of your life? Do you know what it feels like to have a total and complete trust in the Lordship of Jesus Christ? I'm going to read you one verse here, and then we're going to pray together. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Notice when Paul is writing to the Romans about the conditions of salvation. He says, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now you can still be saved, but the question here is, is he Lord of your life? Avoid the pitfalls ahead. We're driving across state the other day, and there's a guy with a warning flag, and it says, stop. Ain't nobody out there. There's one little pickup working on the side of the road. Now, if you work for the state of Nebraska, I appreciate you, okay? I really do. But this guy's a and he's just standing there with his, and another guy's over there and he's eating his lunch, you know, or whatever he was doing. And my thought behind this is, wait a minute, I am so used to following the authority of the laws of the road that if they say stop, regardless of why I have to stop, I stop. And then I remembered that if you go You're going to get a ticket, and you're going to wish you had stopped. There's consequences. Let's pray together. Father, right now, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe this sounds like the most remote thing. we got this. I got this in youth group. But the question is not, did we get it, but do we still have it? Are we still living in fresh relationship with the Lord of our life? Do we sing the songs of Zion, listen to the truths and blessings of Zion because they comfort us without causing us correction? So Father, right now, while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You wanted to share this this morning. You wanted us to hear, one more time, the real challenge for the, this generation this moment in time is the lordship of Jesus Christ. If I'm a I'm, if I am a believer who trusts in the lordship of Jesus Christ I will not be a believer who does peripheral things and gets away with it. Because he will guide me into righteousness for his name's sake. We're going to pray together. Father, right now heads are bowed and eyes are I sense a powerful, a heavy anointing over the house this morning, and it's speaking to us. The Word of God is declaring itself to us, not because I spoke it, but because Your Holy Spirit warmed our hearts through worship, and now the Word penetrates. Is He the Lord? of? So while your heads are bowed, folks, I'm talking to people in the room now. While your heads are bowed, I ask you a question. Is he the Lord of your life? If he said to you, do this, you would do that. Or would you say to him, I'm sorry, you don't have check-writing privileges in this relationship. You don't have the right to tell me what to do. Then you echo satanic verse. He's not my God. I mean, he may be God, but he's not the authority of my life. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, for just a moment. So I'm going to ask them to sing a song of worship, and then I'm going to just ask you to do something with me. Would you go ahead and just sing that song with you?
2: I cast my body. body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy snow beside
1: going to ask you to do something, and I know that this is a crowded house this morning, but I wonder, could we make our way to the front, and and just stand here for just a moment, and in doing so, kind of step out of the ordinary, and just say to him, Lord, I'm just going to come up here into your presence, and I'm going to commit myself to follow you as my Lord. I'm here to surrender myself to you. Would you join me around? I'm going to invite everyone to come visitor non-visitor you know first timer older person younger person would you come up and just find a place to stand for just a moment we just want to just join together and i know that we are together but just kind of stretch out there's a real there's a lot of empty room right up in here we don't charge for it or anything a lot of room up in here just kind of stand here for just a moment we're just going to ask one simple question you say well i'm a little older to be hearing this or you say i don't get this at all it doesn't matter right now the holy spirit is in the room with a very powerful very powerful desire to capture your will and all you have to do is lift your hand and say lord i submit myself to the lordship of jesus can you do that can you lift your hand right now and say lord i submit myself to the lordship of jesus christ i surrender the keys i surrender the keys of my life i wake up every morning and ask you, what is it you want this day? Lead me this day. Guide me this day. You're the Lord of my life. I submit to your word. I submit to your miraculous. I submit to your supernatural power. Hallelujah to the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. Hearts are breaking here today, Lord. Sense of your presence, Lord God. There's a divine sense of you being here, Lord. And we're crying out. Come on, cry out right now. Take my heart. I long to give it to you. Be my Lord. I surrender to your Lordship, Lord. No longer me calling the shots. No longer me making the big decisions. I surrender it all to you right now. I surrender it all to you. I give you what's left of my life. I give you my next tomorrow. Father, it's all yours right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. As they sing the chorus of this song, as you sing along, make it your heart, Lord, you are the Lord of my life, You belong. I belong to you. You can say it, you can mean it, you can make a confession, you can say it in the face of your enemy, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life.
2: Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise
1: One more time, sing that chord. Oh. Oh, Here's the big prayer. If you're standing next to your spouse, grab their hand, okay? You're standing next to your children, grab their hand. You're standing next to a very good friend, grab their hand, because here's the prayer. Lord if our marriage is falling apart and it's shaky, we make you Lord of our life. We make you Lord of our married life. Come in and direct our steps. You are the Lord of our marriage. Say it out loud. You're the Lord of our marriage you've got the hands of your children and your spouse say this out loud you're the Lord of our family say it out loud you're the Lord of our family you're in charge of our family you're in charge of our family you're in charge of our church you're the Lord of this church you guide us into effective and influencing places because you are the God of this church hallelujah And now one last thing. Put your hand over your heart. You know where your heart is, don't you? Put your hand over your heart. And because you will do this one day, you will do this before the angels and before the throne of God. Do it now. Jesus Christ, I confess, you are Lord of my life. Jesus Christ, I confess, with all of heaven to witness, that you are my Lord. I submit my life to you. I give you the rest of my days. I give you my checkbook. I give you my family and my home. I give you my prized ambitions. I follow you. You are my Lord. And in the words of Jesus himself, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. One more time, let's sing it together. Oh, praise the Lord.
2: Oh, praise the name of the Lord.
1: Father, you said if Ernie and Carol as traveling ministers enter a house that they count worthy, that they are to leave a blessing. And Lord, I sense that there's a worthy spirit in this house. There's a worthy spirit in this house. And so, Father, here's our blessing to this worthy house. May the name of the Lord rise up before you and may it prosper all that you do may you know what it feels like to know the joy and the prosperity of the lord your god and may joy flood this community and this church and may whatever spirit of darkness is trying to destroy will be broken and sent to the pits of hell by the name of the lord jesus christ we give you praise in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Do you receive this blessing? Oh, you, you don't want it? I mean, I take it with me if you want. Do you receive this blessing? Amen. Pastor.
0: Well, thank you, Ernie. And you guys can be seated really quick. We've got to do one more thing. And I think that was a great word. Uh, I appreciate that. And. Uh, I tell you, if you prayed that prayer, if you really made Jesus Lord of your life, that is a huge step. And I know you may have done it 30, 40 years ago, but it's always good to redo, to recommit. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come this morning, and we're going to receive an offering to help these guys out. you see seen what he does here, and we saw on the video what they do overseas. We want to help them get there. Uh, you saw that they needed to raise funds to get there. And we want to help them down the road. We want to take a part in that. And so if you write a check, you just write it to Calvary, and we will uh, give them one. Lord, we thank you this morning for the ministry of Ernie and Carol. Thank you for the word that they brought here this morning. Thanks for the word that they brought last night. Lord, thank you for the work they're doing in Latvia and all around the world. And we pray this morning as we give that you would bless this offering, Lord, that you would use it to send them down the road to help them uh, to minister here in America and around the world. Father, we pray for their health, their protection as they go. Lord, be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Then on the
2: third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose. Trampled dead, where is your sting? The angels roll for Christ the King. Oh, pray.
0: Thank you for being here with us this morning. Uh, we're so glad all of you that are guests came today. Uh, really excited. The Hawthorne family joined us. This is Alan Angie's in-laws, and uh, they just had a pretty cool anniversary. Their ranch just turned—was it a hundred years? A hundred years. Uh, that was pretty amazing. So, uh, quite an accomplishment. That's pretty cool. And uh, they're very generous. They're great people. So. Make sure you greet them. Well, thank you for being here this morning. We do not have Bible study tonight. Uh, We're giving you the evening to spend with your family, hang out. It looks like we might have decent weather to go do something. So thank you for being here this morning.